concept, this anthem, this motto of getting ready. Say, I'm getting ready. Come on, you turn and look at somebody and say, I'm getting ready. Before we get into a lot of this, I feel like Ephesians chapter 5 is just a good passage of scripture just, just to read. Just to read in the days that we're living in. And I'm in Ephesians chapter 5 before I jump around. Um, but Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1, a lot of the, what I'll be reading today will be out of the New Living Translation. Ephesians 5 verses 1, we'll read down through here quite a bit because you can't have too much word. Starting out, I love the first couple of words, imitate God. And we could do, we could do a whole series just right here on those two words, imitate God and all that entails for humanity. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Is this not incredible? (laughs) I I could really pause just on every single couple of lines. I mean, this is just... Incredible writing from Paul. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Living by the Spirit's power. Come on, somebody say power. So be so be careful. How you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled, say filled, with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs among yourself, and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. Come on, can you say, I'm getting ready? And really, that's what's happening in the days that we're living in, is that we are getting ready. We are constantly getting ready. We're never really fully arrived in our existence. Um, Back in January, I talked a little bit about David and Goliath, and I don't want to get too bogged down in that. You can go check that out, how I kind of really break down the David and Goliath, and there's so much to get out of all of that when David gets anointed and when he goes to the battlefield and when he takes down Goliath. We're all, if you're in Christendom for any length of time, you're very familiar with that passage. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and then even over into 17, and uh, it's fascinating when you read that Um But as you think about King David and you think about what he went through and think about his life and his lineage leading up to Christ, David was faithful with little. And you got to be faithful with little until you become ruler of much. And faithful, and he was faithful to the field. He was faithful to being a little brother. He was faithful to being the runt in the family. He was faithful to being picked on and the little one and the young guy. And when Eliab was drinking protein shakes and getting buff and looking like he could be the king. David was being the king. David didn't look like the king, but he was being the king. He was becoming a king because it was very quickly you see in that scripture with the prophet coming before him and saying, and the Lord saying to him, man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. Conquered Goliath, um, he, he, he was faithful to the little, trusting the word of God, Trusting the anointing of God, he conquered Goliath not by being somebody that wasn't um, 
and he conquered Goliath not by being somebody that he wasn't or wearing somebody else's armor like King Saul tried to send him out in. Um, it's very important that we understand um, there is a way to fight the enemy, and that way of fighting the enemy isn't the way the enemy's fighting us. And so we attack the enemy because of the way they attack us, but in this, you understand that we have to attack the enemy based upon our anointing and the word of God on our life, operating in an authenticity that cannot be copy and pasted from culture and society. So you fight the enemy not based on how the enemy's fighting you. Oh, we can hang out right there for a minute. I'm going to move on. He won a corporate battle by way of personal devotion to God and faithfulness as a shepherd. He maximized the season he was in, and it became a catalyst for the next season he would step in. God uses every season to be a catalyst for the next. A significant challenge in life is continue to have the same fervor for the deeper things of God when things are easy and pleasant. That's why as a youth pastor, you take your kids to youth camp and everybody's set free and delivered and excited about God. And about six weeks later, you know where everybody's at. Because things done got so good that we felt like we didn't have to be fervent and pursuing and passionate about the things of God. And, that, and that's nobody's fault but just the individual who decided, I'm good. And a lot of times we get in life and say, I'm good. And the next thing you know, we end up in a season when we're not good. And there has, you have to stay in a place where you're constantly getting ready, preparing, and staying passionate about the things of God. I think that's why Jesus said, have childlike faith. Getting ready. No matter the season or title or passion and desire for the things of God should never, ever waver. Let me prove it to you with this point. The life of David, Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year. How many love spring? How many ready for spring? <laughs> He said, hey, he said, I felt, I felt that, Holy Ghost. In the spring of the year, look at this. Is this not fascinating? You should underline, highlight this. When kings normally go out to war. You see down there at the bottom, but however, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. In one season, David is forcing himself on the battlefield. In another season, he's staying home. Now he's king, but he don't want to fight. In one season, he's a shepherd and says, send the biggest and baddest one out there. I got it. No matter what your title is, no matter what season you're in, no matter what providence or goodness or whatever, wherever you at, there has to be a mentality among the people of God to continue to fight for the things of God. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about you. It's about your children, and it's about your family, and it's about your grandchildren, and it's about your community, and it's about your church. I wish somebody would just hear me this morning. Your passion for the things of God isn't just for you, friend. It isn't just about you. It's about others around you, and it's about your children, and it's about family, and it's about God doing things from one generation to the next. I'm telling you, friend, whether I'm in ministry, whether I'm a counselor, whether I'm working on the refinery with my dad or doing construction, wherever, wherever I'm at, the same passion and the same desires cannot waver. It can't change. It cannot change. There's too much at stake. That's why oftentimes in my home, I try to make sure that there's worship music playing and that my daughters see me worshiping. They hear me praying. I don't want them to think that this is just what dad does. This is just dad's work. This is just dad's job. But this is dad's life. This is dad's passion. This is, this is what he just loves to do. And so instead of just praying with her just at night, there'll just be random times in the playroom where I'll just pray. And she's like, I'm not ready to go to bed because I know I've created that. Like, I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to go to bed. I just, I'm understanding that there is a system that's been kind of in place and it's not bad, but at the same time, I want to create a better system and a better rhythm that lets you know that this isn't just a prayer at night. This is a prayer of our life. And this is just a rhythm of just who we are and that 
Worship is just not something that we do, but it's who we are. And that prayer isn't just something over dinner or over or before we go to sleep at night. And that's fine. That's great. But it's who we are. Church, I believe we're getting to a place in society where we have to make it very clear that this is who we are. This is not a Wednesday, Sunday thing. This is who we are. That I'll pray with you right here in the Walmart line, friend. I'll worship with you right here. In the spring when the kings normally go out to war, David stayed in Jerusalem. Again, so much to gain from the rest of the verses that go on from this. But David, David forgot where he came from. He forgot his purpose. His purpose was being a warrior of worship. Don't lose your fight. Don't lose your passion. Don't lose your fervor. Don't lose your childlike faith. Don't lose your drive. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose your song. Don't lose your dance. Don't lose your shout. Don't lose your prayer life. Don't lose your giving. Don't lose your Bible study. Don't lose your life group. Don't lose your hunger. Don't lose your desire for the more of God. If he's given you breath in your lungs, if you are here, it's for purpose. Amen? We're not sent here to just simply get by and make it. Uh, We're sent for such a time as this. If you're wondering why things are the way they are and why am I living in the day that we're living, it's with great purpose, friend. He has sent us. He has sent us here. God doesn't make mistakes. He makes promises that he fulfills. He makes a way in the desert. He makes life out of death. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and uses it for good. You may be a king, David, but don't forget about the time you forced your way out onto the battlefield to kill a giant. And now when it's time for you to go to war, you're staying home. You're outside the purpose by which you were created. Remember, remember the day you were anointed. Remember what God said to you and remember what it, what it looked like when the giant fell. Remember the people of God that were set free. You fighting this battle, again, isn't just for you. It's for your family. It's for your marriage. It's for your children. It's for your grandchildren. The lineage of faith that will never be diminished because what God starts, he finishes. I don't know about you, I'm going to be a part of him finishing what he started. Because he's going to find somebody. He's going to find a group of people. He will. He will. He's done it time and time and time again. Remember, remember. Last week we took communion, and it's about remembering. Remembering what he conquered for us, what he made available for us. And ultimately, Jesus has won the battle for us. Once and for all, he won it for us. He paid the price for redemption. He broke his body so we could be mended. He bled so that we could be led. He died so we could thrive. He was persecuted so that we would be restituted. He diminished so we could be replenished. He went to the grave so that we could be saved. Why get loud and dance and shout and cry about it and get so emotional? Because what, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I was once a hypocrite, but now I'm his instrument. I was once two-faced, but now my sin has been erased. I, was, I, was, I wasn't hot nor cold, but lukewarm. He wanted to spew me out. Instead, he drew me out. Say, I'm getting ready. This Last Supper and communion and remembering, and why is that? So important, just like David, you have to remember where God brought you from. You have to remember where God brought maybe your, your mother, your father, this lineage of faith from. We read it last week, the words of Jesus, and Paul's reciting it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Of me. And then you know the story, and Jesus comes from the grave, and Acts chapter 1, powerful, powerful passage. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. 
Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Are you doing good this morning? I got just a few more points, and then the band's going to come up, and we're just going to spend some time again in the presence of the Lord. In my first book, Luke is writing, Luke and Acts um, are both written by Luke. In my first book, I told Theophilus about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for, the, for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, the Father, has, Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Verse 8, underline it, highlight it if you don't already have it, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. They could no longer see them. As they strained to see him rising into the heaven, two white robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Theologians tell us there was about 500 or so people at that moment where Jesus gives that invitation to go pray and they see him taken up into heaven. But then you go over into Acts chapter 2 where on the day of Pentecost the Spirit is poured out in confirmation in obedience to what Jesus said about going back and praying until you receive power. And then we know from that there's 120 in attendance for that prayer meeting. I just want to know who the 380 are who saw Jesus go to heaven. And before that, he said, go have a prayer meeting at this location, goes to heaven, and then don't go to the prayer meeting. Who's the 380 that's like, that was great. You know how you get something? Let's go. Like, who's the 380 that just went on about life like nothing happened? How does the majority see God and hear God and not do what God has said? I don't know about you, but that makes me check myself. That makes me be even more self-aware of God. I do not want to be the 380. I don't want to be at this place that I think I've seen it all, experienced it all, and it's all over with. No, there is more. And God, I'm going to rest and I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to yield to whatever you say. And if you say go back to that room where we broke bread and pray until we receive power, then that's just what we're going to do. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled, say filled, the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and set it on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This wasn't just a one-time experience. Acts chapter 4, verses 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 13, verse 9. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 13, verses 52. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Say, I'm getting ready. And the concept of getting filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing experience. Acts 
if the band wants to go ahead and prepare to come up, I'm just going to land this thing in just a few more main points. How many of y'all are thankful for this worship team? My goodness. They put in a lot of time and effort to be able to allow us to have the experience that we get to have every single week. And, um, you know, last week we prayed Pastor Ishmael. How many enjoyed Pastor Ishmael last Sunday? My goodness. My man. On fire. Um, but he prayed in the second service. He prayed for the pastoral staff and he prayed for us and the church prayed. And uh, we begin to even, pr- and those others begin to come forward and begin to pray um, for different members of the church. And I want to, as the band just kind of starts to lay down just a little bit of a background music, I just want us to just take a moment, just right where you're sit, just right in your seat, just stretch your hand and just, I just want to say a prayer blessing over this worship team. Amen. Let's just do that for just a moment. Lord, we thank you for this, this team of worshipers. And God, we understand that our worship isn't dependent on what they do or what they sing. God, our worship is, the, is, is on us. And God, we thank you for a team that pursues God and goes after God after a long week of work when they're tired and they're exhausted and they still push and they still pursue and they still go after the things of God and the presence of God. When they don't feel like it, they put on a smile, they sing the song, they play the instrument, and they put aside their flesh and how they feel. And God, we ask that in, in an increased measure, your anointing and your presence and your strength and your ability over their lives, God, and let blessing upon blessing come to their lives, God. Continue to anoint them to lead us into everything that you have for us. And we are thankful for them today. And everybody said amen. A few more key points, and I want us to sing this song that's very fitting for the message today. If you've been to Israel, I have not... I, I have to go. I will go. I'm saying that by faith in a lot of ways. But uh, I am in my mind and in my heart planning to go. I've heard so many incredible accounts of my friends and colleagues that have gone and want them to tell me everything they've seen and experienced. And one thing I found very fascinating from those that I know dearly that have went is that when they go to where, so if you don't know where they had, where Jesus and the disciples had communion is where the upper room was where he said go back to the upper room I find and as I'm being told this I, I'm just like Lord's just bombarding me with all these thoughts that it's in the place of remembrance that you get more it's in the place that you remember what I've done where I'm going to pour out more it's not about just tradition it's just about honoring what I've done so that you can see what I can do and there's no way we can see what he's done if we haven't been thankful for what He's already thankful for what he's going to do if we're not thankful for what he's already done. Are you hearing me this morning? What's even really fascinating is that, okay, it's on the upper room. It's the second floor. The bottom floor is the tomb of King David. You wonder why King David was mentioned early on in the message. Our infilling is a direct reflection of our outpouring. When we give our fullness in worship, He gives us the fullness of His Spirit. It's hard to be filled up with God when you're full of yourself. The more of God The outpouring of the Spirit of God is built on the praise of God. It's built on the worship of God. It's built on the psalmist of God. It's built on this emotional, fervent expression to the Lord. 
And you say, well, this is where I get kind of hung up. This is where things get kind of sketchy and people get weird and Pentecostalism and things like that. No, I think we've gotten hung up because we've made it just about the outpouring and the goosebumps and the speaking in tongues, and that's all necessary. But we didn't first build it on worship. We didn't first build it on praise. We first didn't build it on what He has done for us so that when things, when God begins to do something new, we always come back and say, but it's about Him. Amen. I want you to stand on your feet with me this morning. Worship is not what we do, it's who we are. And worship is not something preliminary, it is primary. In a theological sense, we preach due to sin, but we worship due to design. This is what we were created for. Isaiah 43, 21. I have made Israel for myself, says the Lord. And they will someday honor me before the whole world. Psalms 150 and 6. And you can see several Psalms that say words like this. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. This is why we're created. If you could just close your eyes and just get in a posture of worship. I just want to take a moment just for us just to get ready. Get ready for this concept of if all we're going to do is worship there, God, we're going to create a foundation of worship here. Not just in this church or ministry, but in my life, in my heart and soul. Why don't you just do that right now as the, as the band leads us for a few moments. Give it more. 
talking to us about our glorified bodies. I can't wait to get my glorified body because I'm going to be 6'4", about 250, about 3% body fat. I'm going to be windmilling. I ain't going to be tearing no ACLs. I ain't doing none of that, you know. I'm going to be a beast in that glorified body. And how there, there'll be no sickness and they'll just... But when the disciples saw Jesus... John chapter 20, verse 24, the Bible says this, one of the twelve disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas went with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. And put your hand into the wound of my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Is it fascinating to you, as it is to me, that we get glorified bodies, but Jesus still has his scars? 
resurrected, Tim. But he's got scars. My glorified body ain't gonna have no scars. And I get this imagery of Jesus in heaven showing his scars. And I just see every tribe, every tongue, every nation of people who had their scars removed beginning to lift a shout of thanksgiving and praise of what they've been healed of. Come on, can you just lift your hands and can you see it like I see it? This is why they sing holy, holy, holy. That's their song they just keep singing because they can't get over the fact that He is set apart from anything that they've ever experienced before. We love you today, Jesus. And like Thomas, God, we want to have our own experience with you. We're not going to take somebody else's words for it. I don't believe Thomas was doubting. He just wanted his own experience. He wanted to feel Jesus for himself. He wanted to have a personal experience for himself. He didn't want to have second-hand experience. He wanted to have it for himself. Come on, can you lift your hands and say, I'm getting ready. We're getting ready, Jesus. Yeah, we're getting ready. Get ready. synopsis statements for you is my third closing for the morning stay faithful to the season you are in no matter how mundane your faithfulness to where you are now will in turn turn into his anointing on where you're going then the anointing will give you power for corporate victory when times are good don't forget where he brought you from Karen Wheaton would say it like this there's always more where you stop is where you stop And the more of God is built on the praise of God. Come on, can we just one more time just give God a hand clap, a shout of praise this morning? Love you, Jesus. So thankful. So thankful that you are here this morning. If you're a guest, make sure to grab that connect card in the seat tray in front of you. Fill it out. We'll have somebody back here to connect with you. And um, our staff will be here if you want to pray, if you want to continue to worship. And uh, hey, don't forget this Wednesday, Adult Bible Class, Dr. Courtney just gave such a great, great teaching that's going to continue this Wednesday. And so we'll see you Wednesday and next Sunday here at Family Worship Center. We love you. You are officially dismissed. We'll see you.
Yeah.